the audience link. So audience was in the news, Billboard putting out a piece criticizing the startup for not having enough copyright infringement rectification in place. So Audius is a blockchain music platform. They want to be a commons for music distribution that they say is owned and operated by the community, not by a company. So the issue a lot of times with these growth startups is that at some point incentives become misaligned. Think about Twitter, Facebook, Good example with Twitter was when they closed off their API back in 2010, 2011, and anybody who built companies, I think the tweet, there was a picture, I can't remember what it was called, but there were like TwitPick or whatever, there were all these different things that built on top of the API, and then they suddenly got barred from from doing that once, once Twitter closed it off. So these incentives become misaligned once they begin focusing on their own bottom line. And the key with the, the music industry is how do, you, how do you manage all the different stakeholders? So record labels, music publishers, digital service providers, whilst making sure that artists are still getting compensated for their work. And this is a pretty stark criticism for Audius to not have good copyright infringement material in place. But I would just comment, I mean, they're working on it. They're trying the, the article. There are a couple of quotes from the audience representative that they are working on a community approach to solve for the, the piracy issue. And I kind of give them the benefit of the doubt here because SoundCloud, YouTube, all these really popular products that we use today also had these problems early on when they first inked in deals with labels there was a huge push to make sure that they were handling copyright infringement appropriately so i don't worry too much about audius being able to solve this what i do have concerns about with audius is just simply their ability to manage these incentives whilst being focused on a token so they have the incentive it misalignment already, in my opinion, because of how there's all the speculative value associated with the token. And the token, the only reason it's used is to airdrop as a reward for certain artists on the platform. And then, of course, the proof of stake system, they're using it to incentivize node operators. But already you're you're looking at a really misaligned ecosystem with the the way proof of stake works in this because you you have very centralized power with essentially those who control the token supply basically controlling what's going on on the platform so i i feel that if you were to do this you already are misaligned with with the token structure like why don't you just airdrop stable coins to to the artists instead of a, a token that's going up and down? I mean, it's in my view, I don't think this can work, but I have I have a bias already since I'm I'm helping a, a team with something that's considered a competitor. So, Kevin, what did you think about this? Well, I mean, first off, I I agree with with what you're saying. It's kind of an an odd token, right? Like you said, I think artists would probably prefer to be paid in a stable coin where they 
they know that they have a, a specific value or, or a set value they're going to receive for their work. Um, I did think I thought it was pretty interesting how they are trying to, I guess, incentivize nodes to be good actors. Um, and, and they're basically using the audience token for that. So they're setting a minimum number of, of tokens you, you have to stake um, essentially to make sure that if you were to have any sort of DCMA issues or DMCA, sorry, issues or any sort of copyright issues and you're not, you know, take it upon yourself to take those down, you can actually be fined. And then they basically take your staked audience as to pay for those fines. So there is financial incentive to be a good actor, which I think is a good approach. The problem is, one, is is it a big enough incentive if if these if these people aren't actually taking down these pirated or stolen, you know, IP <clears throat> or or do they need to increase it so that or, or maybe they just need to actually um, enforce it because $400,000. So the minimum to stake is $200,000 hold for audience is 200,000, which is about $400,000 at the time of the article. So, I mean, that it seems like a pretty large sum of money to put up, um, as basically a as collateral in case you're ever marked with the DMCA or if something's marked with the DMCA, you don't take it down on the network. So maybe they just need to enforce it or maybe they need to raise that so that the incentive to be a good actor is higher and therefore, you know, less pirated music makes it actually on the platform. Yeah, I think so. This is what's really interesting. They they're talking about a community approach to try to rectify against the piracy and they hang their hat, audience hangs their hat on the fact that they're open source being why they can't share the agreements. It's it's really odd to me. So they they make this comment that they're being open so, that their open source nature prevents audience from using third party content filtering software because these sales agreements with these other vendors cannot be made public. That to me is very seems very counterintuitive to the idea of open source yeah exactly i mean if you're open source you would expect one to to <laughs> to share possibly like the where the expenses and revenues are going with this with this company well you and think so, it'd be available <clears throat> in some way on the blockchain to be able to see it right like obviously i wouldn't expect to be able to see a full-on contract but i'd expect to be able to see kind of where where all the funds are going and how they're how they're being utilized um very yeah. interesting that they're kind of claiming the open source is the reason they can't provide that yeah to me it makes no sense and i also i mean this is what's really interesting is if you had an open source company nobody really does this by the way i mean let's let's back up for a second because i don't see any other projects with all out transparency showing the where the expenses are going on any given month right. you i think it would be really interesting to to do that i think it would be a challenge because now as a startup operator you have to decide what should i maybe not share because my competitors are watching i'm volunteering to share all this financial data of our firm right our company and so there is a reason that you might want to keep some of that private. But I also think the community, if this is truly going to be a commons, a community-owned feature, then 
I think the community would resonate with that if you could share, if the company shared all that that information. But I mean, think about your favorite projects today. I don't think any of them are are doing that, right? They're right. they're open source and they're transparent, maybe, but they maybe share you the the treasury wallet, or you could go and see the the funds they raise. But they are probably paying. They're probably using fiat for some of their bills, and they're not sharing the invoices to those. So it would be really cool if if you had. Let's assume for a moment that all these companies are using stable coins to pay their bills or some something like that. It would be pretty cool to see the the wallets that they're actually using and to a, be able to audit that. I don't think any other products are doing that. So yeah. I don't want to criticize so focused on Audius for not doing it and, and using this as an excuse because, frankly, it's not done in the industry. But that is not to say that a new player couldn't do it, right? I mean... It, it would be really a great sign if 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 I saw a project doing that, I would I would take notice. Don't you think? Yeah, no, definitely. And it, it'd be interesting to to like be able to almost do your own financial analysis um, on a on a company or on a product that's on the blockchain just by using kind of their open source you know data and see, being able to really kind of go down through their transactions and see you know like you said what's in the treasury what have they what have they spent on where have they allocated tokens just you could really start to get a, a much better look into some of these projects and and how they're run um and, and how healthy they are which right now sometimes can be quite hard to do especially uh, with some some tokens that are spread across multiple exchanges you, you sometimes can't even tell what the liquidity is yeah exactly so i think I mean, GitLab comes to mind. They're a uh, a private company. I think I don't know if they went public yet, but they have shared in their handbook. They are like they make a big stick about being open source, a, a company as a as a culture, and so their entire employee handbook is public. You can view like their guidance, their long term targets, and as a private company, it's quite a lot of information that they share. They don't, of course, share their their revenues and expenses like you you would if you were public. But I think that this whole it's a culture, right? A culture of transparency, a culture of open source. And if if the project leads on that, the community will take notice. So we talked a while for about this, but um, more to come for sure. Now I want to make sure we touch a little bit on the article you, you presented here on, on Uniswap versus JP Morgan. Yeah, no, I definitely would like to talk more about Audius as this kind of uh, works its way out. Um, I'd like to see how Audius kind of responds and, and see what they do to prevent, you know, this type of illegal, I guess, ownership of, of some of these these artist songs and, and albums. But like you were mentioning, I, I have another article that was, I just thought was very interesting and kind of shows why crypto is starting to become more in my opinion, more um, well-received and people are starting to really see the the use case for crypto. And that was basically what happened was the the FCFT, so like the form, or I'm sorry, the CFTC, the Com- Commodity Futures Trading Commission, basically came out and was talking about how recently the owner of Uniswap, which is a essentially a, an exchange on the Ethereum network, um, basically had his bank account shut down by JP Morgan. And when they went through and kind of reviewed why he got shut down, they weren't able to find anything specific as to what 
caused his you know account to be basically frozen. Um, and as they kind of dug deeper, they they realized that there was no specific reason that was given to them. And the bank basically said, we don't need to give you a reason. In fact, if we have, if we think that you are up to some sort of nefarious business, we won't tell you. We're obligated not to tell you why we we froze your account. So it's very interesting because what they basically said is this may be your money, but you don't have a right to it when it's at a bank unless we say you have a right to it. And to me, that's a very, very scary thought of a, of a bank being able to essentially tell you, this, these are your funds. You have done nothing wrong. We're not going to tell you why we, we froze your funds and you can't get them until we say you can. That is in my eyes, one of the, one of the scariest things you can hear. And, and that's kind of where blockchain comes in and, crypto where people want to own their own money and have access to it at any time, any place. And this was just a, one of those sirens going off, just saying, Hey guys, banks have too much power. These regulatory bodies have too much power. And I just see crypto as a way to kind of take some of that back and just at least own your own assets again, which based on this article kind of proves you really don't. Yeah, so this is really interesting because there's this free speech debate that's happened within the past year, I suppose, not to get a little crazy, but the the ability for like PayPal or JP Morgan, any of these fintech or banking companies to just kind of cut you off from the economy like this, it's a little bit of a power play, I, I think. And it's it just speaks to the use days of crypto. I mean permissionless banking and nobody needs a bank account to, to go set up a wallet transact with with customers users vendors and merchants it's it just kind of testifies to the use case because from what i can tell i mean uniswap is an american incorporated company they do a lot to try to remain compliant and i mean i think they're headquartered in new york which is one of the least friendly there's a lot of Web3 stuff going on there, but I think because of the history of the financial industry, I don't think it's like the best yeah, friendliest place. They're, they're more restrictive than most when it comes to this with cryptocurrency and how they like regulation. Yeah, there's yeah. more there's more hoops you have to jump through, I think. Yeah. And it's just it's just, you know, it, it blows my mind to think that <clears throat> they have this much power, but then they also still use the power in a political way um, doing things like like this by shutting down you know the owner of a cryptocurrencies exchange shutting down his account is, is more or less a power play in my eyes it's it's just a political move to show to make it harder for him to continue to you know run his business and live his life they're just trying to create inconveniences um for him so that hopefully his company and and, and crypto as a whole doesn't you know take money out of their pockets because these banks and and all these other places that are dealing with with any sort of fiat or investments are, are probably looking at crypto right now and saying hey these things are doing a lot of the things we do but much cheaper because they're replacing you know manpower with smart contracts and and i'm sure they're keen to that so they they have a lot of damage control on their end to do and this seems like that's all that all it is is you know look look what we can do and make your life inconvenient well, yeah, and then they probably are using the volatility as an excuse because the the markets have been tanking and you know fifty to eighty percent drawdown over a week or two is pretty rough. So they're probably 
maybe internally JP Morgan's using that as an excuse to cut this guy off because I think it was his personal bank account. It wasn't even the company's. I, I don't know. It's just very bizarre. Right. And so, kind of crazy. Yeah, that's what got me. It wasn't, as far as I can tell, it was not like this was a bank account linked to the Uniswap business. At that point, I could maybe understand why JP Morgan could could come up with a way to basically cut off access. But as far as I know, this is his personal bank. And that's where it takes that step over the line. Because now it's no longer a regulatory thing. Um, he's gone through all the you know steps it takes to get this company set up legally so that it can run with the laws and regulations currently in place. And so for a bank to basically just decide arbitrarily at any point, hey, you've done everything you know to the letter of the law, but we no longer care that's to me too much power. The fact that they can just at any time without reason make that decision. That's just too much. Again, too much power. Yeah. And I mean, to counterpoint a little bit, I think we all would agree if you're going to be doing illegal things or doing, there's a world in which they should probably have the power to just cut certain actors off the banking system, but there should be a legal way it shouldn't just be this ad hoc. Yes, I think judgment arbitrary. Call, yeah, right. I mean, I think we all agree. Like, they should have this power to probably. I mean, yeah. There's I mean, probably the instances the day, where it's appropriate. There's probably yeah. instances where it's appropriate, but this is this makes no sense, and it, it could happen to anyone. Yeah, and I know we're running on time here, so I'll kind of just leave it at that. But yes, I guess to, to rephrase. They definitely should have the ability to to cut off bad actors or customers who are potentially you know partaking in nefarious activities, but the the arbitrary nature of this without having any real reason, if that is truly the case, is the part that really you know bugs me. But to your point, um, banks should have the right to cut off certain people for for certain reasons, but those reasons should be clearly stated, um, in my opinion. But here we are. Right, because I mean, and in the centralized world, you get blacklisted wallet addresses if there's hacked funds. So there's a self-enforcing element here where it's a little tricky, I suppose. But I think we agree there are there are instances where bad actors should should probably get some kind of blacklist. But it's tricky. So hey, yeah, we, we are running out on time. So I mean, this is I, I really enjoyed the article. And then there was a a cited piece from uh, Caitlin about the Wyoming banks and how the Federal Reserve has been slow to act on on approving those. So there's a lot of good context in those show note articles here that people can look at too. But um, yeah, man, this is a good talk. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we'll have to maybe discuss that, that article you mentioned at the end on another day. I'm off to run through it again and, and refresh myself, but uh, certainly would like to, to hear her piece. Or at least yeah, no doubt. All right, man. Good luck out there. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Enjoy your day, and I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Peace.